was praying this morning about what to share. And by the way, Brother Ron, I want to thank you. Listen, my name is Kevin Ham, and I approve that message too, brother. Amen. I'm looking for a message the following Sunday. Now, I got one for next Sunday. God bless you, Brother Ron. Thank you for your word, man. I mean, I love your passion, and I love the scriptures and the illustrations. And uh, I, I'm, I don't know about you, but, man, in these last days, I don't want to be a fan. I want to be a follower. Amen. Thank you for challenging me, man. I receive it. Brother Glenn, Brother Mike, thank you guys for your all's direction, your um, vision for this uh, conference. And it's a joy for me to share just a little while and get out of the way. It's kind of interesting. I I have never preached between two brothers. But I'm honored and thrilled. If I have to pick two brothers, this would be the two brothers I would pick because they're on the program today. But anyway, I... I, uh, I love both of them, and uh, I love their ministries. Brother Ricky, I appreciate your, mess, your music the whole week, your ministry. Thank you, and uh, it's a joy to serve with you, brother. I love your heart and powerful words. I was praying about direction this morning. It's interesting. I, um, I'm just going to share for a little while. I just want to encourage you today about God's faithfulness, and I love the words that, that God is not only faithful on the mountaintop, He's faithful in the valley. And that's powerful. He, the, the shepherd, he chose this route. This valley's for me. And the beauty is he will not forget me in my valley. In fact, I was speaking to a dear brother last night, this pastor, and I told him, I believe if I look back on my life, my greatest spiritual lessons, the most meaningful, intimate moments I've had with my Savior have not been on the mountaintop. They've been in the valley. Mountaintops are great. They get you through the valley. Mountaintops are awesome. They're fun. They're exciting. But I'm telling you, my most intimate moments with my Savior is when the rug has been pulled out from underneath me and I knew I couldn't, uh, I hadn't, my, my charisma, my leadership, my, my talents, my gifts were not going to get me through this midnight hour. I had to rely on my God. And, uh, it, that's, and I want to speak about that a few minutes. It's so good to see Jaquitas here this morning, a dear friend of mine. Uh, she, uh, many of you probably are familiar with 11th Hour, and she is one-third of 11th Hour. And so that's a trio, and uh, she and Amber live here in the, the Nashville area in Hendersonville. And then uh, Grant, who's the third person of that, uh, of that group, uh, actually lives in um, the Birmingham area and is a member of my church. And when he's, he's the worst church member I've got. He's never there. He's always traveling. <laughs> Singing, I'm serious, I'm teasing, but when he is not singing and in town, he's always there, very faithful. Sundays and Wednesdays, his family's very active there. But if you have never heard, uh, you know, 11th Hour, I can just jot that down, 11th Hour, and go check them out. They've been in our church several times. We're working to get them back again. Uh, they travel all over, sing incredible, great variety. Brother Ricky, 11th Hour, know one another, same kind of worship, God's hands on both of them. But I, I'm so good to see her. I was shocked when she came out. I said, I'm not used to uh, her sitting and not singing in the group. So uh, God bless you. But they, uh, you will be blessed by going to 11th. have several number one songs, and uh, God has blessed them. And I'm just grateful for the worship this morning. God bless you, Jaquita. Great to see you. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn to Genesis 12. Um, I know we have three preachers today. I don't want to belabor the point. Uh, and so I want to jump right in here. I just want to encourage you this morning. Uh, last night probably was uh, what I might call an inspirational, hopefully, uh, an inspirational message. And today I, I really just want to um, motivate you, just encourage you 
uh, more information. I just, I just want you to, to be reminded of how faithful your God is. God, I want you to walk out here, not now, but I want you to walk out here in a, in a little while at lunchtime, and I want you as a born-again believer to know beyond the shadow of a doubt, no matter what you're facing, no matter what the enemy throws at you, no matter what you get yourself in, I've discovered some of my storms I blame on the enemy, but they're my fault. Amen. I appreciate my brother saying, you look in the mirror. I, I, I want to tell you, no matter what you face, that God is faithful to you. Uh, he, will, he will be there with you. I uh, think about this couple who were uh, celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary in Hawaii, and a local newspaper heard about it, and so they sent a reporter out to just interview them as an interest story. And so this reporter shows up, and she asked the husband, why you guys been married 50 years? And they said, yeah, we're, we're here celebrating 50 years in Hawaii. And, and she looks to the husband and says, well, tell me, what, is a, what has been the key to your faithful, uh, you know, happy marriage for 50 years? And without hesitation, the husband said, well, man, it goes all the way back to our honeymoon, believe it or not. We went to the Grand Canyon for a honeymoon, and we got on a couple of horses, and we were going to kind of trail down to the bottom of the canyon, and we took off on those horses, and we'd probably gone 100, maybe 200 yards, and my wife's horse stumbled, and she leaned across the front of that horse and said, that's once. And I thought, well, that's odd. I don't know what she means by that. And we went a little distance, another 100, 200 yards, and that horse stumbled again, and she leaned across the front of that horse and said, now that's twice. And he thought, what is she talking about? Went another 100 yards, and that horse stumbled a third time. Her water bottle fault. She jumped off the horse, dismounted, grabbed a rifle, shot that horse dead right there in the Grand Canyon. I thought, you are got to be kidding me. You can't do that. Woman, that's illegal. That's a beautiful land. Why in the world would you do that just because it stumbled? And she turned to me and said, now that's once. <laughs> and he said, we've had a happy, faithful marriage ever since. <laughs> Genesis chapter 12, if you turn in your word this morning, our God is faithful. God Almighty is a faithful God. I, I just want to say to you, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm 54, and I surrender that many of you don't know my story, and I won't take the time to tell it, but I was saved when I was eight years old and uh, in a church called Glendale Baptist Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky. As an eight-year-old boy, I surrendered to the ministry when I was 11 years old. Uh, I remember coming forward, actually on a Wednesday night, and I felt the Spirit of God dealing with me, and I walked down to my pastor, and I said, man, pastor, I need to rededicate my life. And he said, well, man, let's just pray. And he prayed with me and prayed over me. And I went back to my pew, about the fourth or fifth pew on a Wednesday night, you know, and I got back to the pew, and the Spirit of God said, well, I, I want more for you. I just felt God tugging on my heart. And I said, well, God, what else can I do? I've been saved. I rededicated my life. What's next? You know, what can I do? And, and I don't know why. As 11 years old, I, I got back out of the aisle, and I walked back down there, and the he was talking to somebody else and he turned around and said, well, you were just down here a while ago, weren't you? And I said, yes. He said, why are you here again? I said, I don't know. I said, I just feel like God's talking to my heart. And he planted that seed. He said, well, maybe God is calling you into the ministry. He said, let's just pray about that. I remember we turned. I could take you to the place in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And we got on our knees and he put his hand over me and uh, around me and we prayed. And, and so, uh, you know, I didn't know what that meant then. I'm still trying to figure that out. But I surrendered the ministry when I was 11 years old, saved when I was 8 years old. And what I have learned in 30 plus years of ministry is sometimes the people closest to you will hurt you the most. People you've poured your life in, many of you pastors have experienced this. 
people you've loved on, prayed for. I mean, you've been there in times of need. You, you've blessed them. You've encouraged them. You've wept with them. You've laughed with them. You've ate with them. You've just spent a lot of time with them. And, and the next thing you know, they get their feelings hurt and they leave the church and walk down to a church right down the road from you, a stone's distance away, and you think, how could they do that? They don't, they'll never know this side of heaven, the pain, the grief that causes a pastor. And on and on the list could go. I, I won't spend... I'm just telling you, family sometimes will forsake you. When I surrendered the ministry, my family was against it. They said, oh, my grandmother said, he's infatuated with this pastor. He'll get over it. Well, I'm 54. I still hadn't gotten over it, you know. And now, eventually, my family embraced it, I want to tell you. But initially, for many years, they thought it was a poor mistake. They said to me, you're going to be poor, and you're going you're gonna to travel everywhere, and you're going people are you going to live in a glass house, and on and on. They tried to talk me out of it. And, 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 you know, again, they came around. But I'm just telling you, sometimes family will forsake you. Hear me this morning. Sometimes friends will bail on you. But I want you to leave in a little while. Not now. A little while. And I want you to walk out of this place knowing your God will never leave you or forsake you. And He is faithful. And so I, I want to preach maybe a little different style. I just, I just want to drive this one truth home. It's in Genesis chapter 12 verse 1. Genesis 12. You'll know the story. Here's this promise to Abram. And the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now notice, Abraham's going to leave all that he's known. He's leaving his family. He's leaving his friends. He's leaving his comfortable surroundings. God said, I want you to leave all that. It's going to be a lonely time. It's going to be an unusual place. You've never been here before. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. All the families of the earth will be blessed. Now watch verse 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. By the way, don't you love that kind of obedience? Man, I wish I was there all the time. I wish God didn't have to spank me and remind me and challenge me and scold me. I just love this. So Abraham departed. He, he just picked up. He left home. He left family. He left his father. left his... Incredible. And uh, so when Lot went with him, and then this is odd. Watch this next thing. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but we believe in the infallibility of God's holy word, the inerrancy of God's word. Uh, you know, opinions may change, but His word will last forever. Amen? And so every word in the word is important. Can I get an amen? And so the Bible here tells us the age of Abraham. He's 75 years old. Now you say, why is that important? Because God has just made this incredible promise to him that from you all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. In other words, Abraham, you're going to have a big time family. You're going to have a large family. You're going to have a lot of descendants. You're going to have a lot of generations follow you. There's only one problem. He's 75 years old and Sarah's not pregnant. I mean, if you guys 75, anybody here 75 years of age or older? Yeah. Any of you married 75 years of age and older? Right here, right here, right? What if you left this meeting and on the way home, your wife leaned over and said, Honey, I got something to tell you. We need to stop by the drugstore. I'm kind of feeling queasy. I've been... I, I've, been, I've been craving dill pickles covered in mayonnaise and peanut butter. And I, I, well, I, well, how would you feel if she said, I, I don't know how to tell you this. I, I believe I'm pregnant. 
This is the case here. He's 75 years old, and he's been promised a great family, and he doesn't have any children. By the way, could I just stop and just speak a word into you today that, that sometimes God does not work when we want Him to work? Sometimes we wonder, where is God? You ever got a promise from God? You ever got a word from God, and it just hadn't happened? Maybe that's where you're at right now. Maybe you've been praying for something God to do in your life and it just hasn't happened yet. Maybe you're praying for a precious lost family member and they're still lost. Maybe you're praying for healing from cancer. It just hasn't happened yet. Maybe you're struggling financially and you need a job or a new job and it just hasn't happened yet. Maybe your kids are running every which way but the right way and it just hasn't happened yet. God has given you a word. You know it. He gave you some Bible verse and you've claimed that Bible verse. You've been hanging on to this promise but it just hasn't happened happened yet and you're wondering where is God where are you Lord you you gave me this promise you gave me this word you said this would happen I felt it in my spirit I, I know it it's resonated deep within me and it just hasn't happened yet where are you could I encourage you this morning on a Friday don't give up don't quit the breakthroughs just around the corner I tell you just hang on keep trusting keep believing don't let the enemy rob you of that promise, hang on to it. God is God and He will answer. He may not answer when you want. Sometimes He doesn't even answer how I want. But I'm telling you, your God is faithful. The Word says, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. I've just been sent here to say, do not give up. Do not throw in the towel. Hang on to that promise. Hang on to that Bible verse. Hang on to that word. God will meet that need. Preacher, we've been praying. We get pregnant. Keep praying for that. Preacher, I'm single and lonely and I want a soulmate. Keep praying for that soulmate. My, my, My family members lost. The husband, wife, they don't seem to think anything about God. Don't give up. Keep praying. I've got a prodigal. They're running every which way, but don't you give up. Don't you quit. Your God is faithful. He will answer. He will meet your need. Do not give up, my friend. Abraham is 99 years old. In fact, Genesis 17, 17, Sarah is 90. And they don't have a child. And yet God has made this incredible promise that you're going to have children. They're going to be as many as the stars in the sky. All the families of the earth are going to be. You can almost hear Abraham saying, man, that's awesome. That's great. There's only one problem, God. We ain't got no kids. And she ain't a spring chicken. And neither am I. Reminds me of these four fellows who are waiting in the waiting room on their first child. Of course, they're nervous, and they're all in a huddle, and they don't know what's going to happen, all four of them together. The nurse comes out, and she says, Hey, Tim, I've got good news. You have twins. He says, That's amazing. That's incredible. Man, I I work for double mint chewing gum. And the nurse turns to Bob and says, Bob, you have triplets. He said, That's crazy. Triplets? I work for AAA transportation. That's amazing. She looks over to to Sam and says, Sam, you're not going to believe this. You have quadruplets. And he says, that is is so ironic. I work for the Four Seasons Resort. And just then, Bill dropped to the floor, fainted. And the nurse said, what's wrong with him? And she said, I don't know. His friend said, he works for 7-Eleven. I'm not sure. (laughs) 
So here is Abraham, 99 years old, Sarah's 90. It's been 24 years. Now watch this. It's been 24 years. Look at Genesis 17. So we were in Genesis 12. We fast forward to Genesis 17. In Genesis 12, Abraham is 75. Now watch what happens in Genesis 17, verse 1. And when Abram was 99 years old, would you say 99 years old? Come on. Let's say it again. 99 years old. One more time. 99 years old. This is so crazy. The Lord appears to Abram and says to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And you would think Abraham would say, God, I've heard this promise before. It's been 24 years. You told me in Genesis 12. You said when I was 75, I was going to have a big family. Hello, God, I'm 99. You better hurry. Could I remind you God is faithful? Verse 3, and Abram fell on his face and God talked with him. Don't you love that? And then interesting, he comes to Abram because he knows his faith is probably weak. He's probably discouraged because he got this word. It's been 24 years and still hadn't answered. And he shows up and said, hey, Brother Mike, I'm God Almighty. Just want to remind you, I am, I am the Almighty God. There is no God like our God. Can I get an Amen. amen. And then he just talks to him. You know, Brother Glenn, Brother Ron, I've, I've learned over the years that God knows what we need and He knows how to approach us. I love the fact that He didn't spank Abram. He didn't say, where's your faith, you knucklehead. He, he, just, he just puts His arm around him and says, Let, let's have a conversation, Abram. He just talks with him. Verse 4. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. I want to remind you of that. And you shall be a father to many nations. He made that promise to him in Genesis 12, 24 years ago. 24 years ago. He was 75. He probably thought, hey, we're going to have a child this year. Get ready, get the nursery ready, paint the room. 24 years later, they're still sitting in an empty nursery. No longer shall your name be called Abram, verse 5, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to to be God to you and your descendants after you. So here he is, 99 years old. It's been 24 years. Turn to page, look at chapter 18, verse 14. This is one of those verses that will preach itself. You just get out of the way and don't mess it up, amen? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, God has a time. And he's always on time. (laughs) He's never early, he's never late. At the appointed time, God reminds him, I will return to you according to the time of life. And Sarah, you can write this down, you can bank on it. I've told this to you when you were 75. I'm telling you now you're 99. Sarah shall have a son. 
Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I want to remind you, my God, your God has unlimited resources and unlimited power. There's no God like our God. There is nothing too difficult for the Lord. You say, well, Pastor, my marriage is falling apart. There's nothing too difficult for the Lord. Pastor, I'm facing cancer. The doctors say it don't look good. I'm telling you, there's nothing too difficult for the Lord. I'm lonely, discouraged, can't find a soulmate. There's nothing too difficult for the Lord. We're married. We want to have a child. It hasn't happened. There's nothing too difficult for the Lord. Pastor, I'm facing an addiction. No one knows about it, but it's ruining my life, my marriage, my career. There's nothing too difficult for the Lord. I'm discouraged. I'm depressed with life. Hey, child of God, there is nothing too difficult for the Lord. There is no God like our God. Our God is faithful. God is faithful. Would you say that with me? Come on, church. God is faithful. And God comes to Abraham and reminds him 24 years later, I have not forgotten you, Abraham. Hang on. I made you a promise. I'm going to deliver on that promise. He makes the same promise to you. Uh, Several years ago, about two years ago, uh, in our church, we had the steps... uh, Uh, to our platform and they were just on the sides. We had to right here and then this was just open. You just walked right up to the wall, across the front just like this and then we had the steps on this side over here. We didn't have them in the front of our, our pulpit area and after just kind of praying about it and thinking about it, we decided that's something that we wanted to do to enlarge our altar area and so we uh, contacted a local construction company and they came in and made measurements. And make a long story short, they ended up building steps. So, so our altar, just like this, goes all the way around the front of you. You say, well, that's an odd story to tell. Well, hang on a second. The Sunday morning that we were going to kind of dedicate that steps, we had prayed over them, we had written scriptures on them, anointed even the steps with oil. And so, uh, I don't know if that's where you're at, but anyway, we are. And so anyway, uh, and so uh, that, that morning, that morning, before the first service, this is kind of odd. I have a prayer meeting I talked about. and uh, One of the guys, the ushers, came to me and said, Hey, there's a lady here that wants to speak to you before the first service. Would that be all right? And I said, Well, sure. Yeah, yeah, bring it. And so my office is kind of in the back behind is our, our, our prayer area where we pray and come out. And it's about our first service at 9.15 is about 9, 9.05, 9.10. And this dear lady came up and said, Pastor, I didn't mean to interrupt you before the service, but I just wanted to tell you that I attend here on a regular basis. I'm a member at the church. I said, well, I'm so excited to have you. She said, no, 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 that's not it. She said, uh, I designed the steps that, uh, that we built in our church. And I said, well, that is so neat. That's so cool. And she said, well, that's not the whole story. She said, you won't remember this, but about two years ago you were preaching. And in the middle of your sermon, you were talking about God's faithfulness and God's provision And you stopped and said, you know, there's some probably people here that need a job. And if you need a job, I wouldn't embarrass you for anything in the world, but let's just bow our heads. If you need a job, would you stand to your feet? He said, I don't know if you remember this or not. And and several folks must have stood. I could tell by your reaction. And and you just stopped in the service and you prayed for a miraculous provision from God Almighty, our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And you prayed and I stood and that was on a Sunday. I was without a job. I'm a single mom. I was, I was financially strapped and I didn't know what to do. And I was at church. I was so discouraged and depressed. And I, I didn't see any light in the tunnel. I'll be honest with you, Pastor. And I stood up that morning when you prayed. And she said, I want to tell you, the next week, 
I had flooded the area with my resume. I got a contact from a construction company that asked me to come in. And I told them, I don't know if I have the experience you need. And they said, that's okay, we'll train you, we'll train you. And so I received the training. And she said, I thought, how amazing is our God? I had no idea what was going on because we didn't announce that the church was going to do the steps, just our leadership. We just kind of behind the scenes had planned it. And we contacted, and the order came in and said, hey, they called me in and said, darling, darling, you need to design some steps for Gardendale First Baptist. And she said, hey, that's my church. They said, are you serious? She said, how amazing is our God that I got to design and construct the very steps of our altar from a service two years ago where you prayed God would give a job and my God was faithful and He gave me a job when I didn't have a job and God said, you just hold on. Let me show you something. Let me show you how I am. I'm going to have you design the altar for your own church. You're going to go pray. You're going to go weep at some steps that you yourself designed because our God is faithful and our God makes a way where there seems to be no way. I'm telling you, God is faithful. One more story. Uh, um, uh, Kim and I were married, my wife and I, 31 years ago now. And once we got married, we moved to Memphis, Tennessee to go to Mid-America Seminary. This is going to go back a few years. And so uh, we had gotten married. We went off to Florida for a, a honeymoon. And while we were there, my family actually moved our stuff, what stuff we had, uh, to a little apartment in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, we had rented the apartment over the telephone. Uh, they didn't have housing at that time. Uh, we, we didn't know anybody in Memphis. We had never even visited the apartment complex. They just gave us the phone number. We called, said, do you have an apartment? said, yeah, we'll take it. And we rented this apartment over the phone. We'd never been to Memphis. I didn't have a job. She didn't have a job. Uh, we just knew God had called us. And so we drove to Memphis, Tennessee to find an apartment we had never seen before in our life. We had trouble finding it. When we got there, it was kind of dark, and we couldn't find a manager to even let us in. And, and finally, we, we got into the apartment, and and we sat down. We'd been married one week, seven days. We sat in that apartment, and I, I just want to tell you, we were so homesick. We had never been away from home. We had never been away from friends. We were young. We didn't have a job. We didn't know one person in the city of Memphis, Tennessee. And we sat on that couch, and I want to tell you, I, we wept like babies. I wish I could tell you I was strong and macho, but I, we just began to cry. We were so homesick. We were broken, and we were so lonely, and we didn't know what the future was going to hold, and we didn't have any money. We didn't have any jobs, but we just knew God had called us there, and so we just, we just, we just went, and, and, and as the day, we're sitting there on this couch crying, both of us, just weeping like babies, man, just crying. And the sun went down. It got dark, and we went around the little apartment to turn on the lights, and we realized there was no light bulbs anywhere in any of the sockets. There was no lights in the whole apartment complex. I thought, you got to be kidding me, man. I'm telling you, we're, we're depressed enough. Now we can't even turn on a light. I want to tell you, who, and who's the nut that takes the light bulb? Are you that cheap to take light bulbs with you? Are you serious? Are you kidding me? If you're going to leave an apartment, can I just ask you, be gracious and leave the light bulbs for the next person, would you? Good night. Are you crazy? We're sitting there, literally, I'm not exaggerating. My wife said, we're sitting there in the dark, crying like babies. Long story short, fast forward, we end up, uh, I got a job at Bellevue Baptist Church. I was working in their activities ministry. I had a, a sports background, and so I was uh, overseeing their activities building. And um, we felt in our spirit that God was calling us to help a little church out in the area where our apartment complex was. 
So I went to my boss and told him, and he said, well, you know, one of the requirements is you had to be a member of the church to work this job. And I said, I realize that. And he said, do you have another job lined up? And I said, no, but man, I just really feel strongly that God wants us to help this church. And I can remember my wife and I, you know, laying in bed and I said, what are we going to do when you lose your job? You know, you're going to, I said, I don't know, but we just both felt strongly. This is what God wanted us to do. And so I said, man, we'll just trust God. Maybe this is one of those things that God's kind of planting down deep in our heart early in our ministry that he is faithful and you can believe him and he will respond. And, and we were just walking through this together. I'll be honest with you, we were fearful, we were afraid, we were living check to check and all of a sudden I was going to lose my job. I went to my supervisor and he said, well, that's fine. Keep working until we find someone. Then when we find them, you will train them. And I said, that's wonderful. And I began to pray, God, don't let them find anybody. You know, I, I, it's kind of where I was. And, and he came in, I remember, he came in on a Wednesday, the following Wednesday. He said, hey, we found someone. You train them Thursday and Friday and Friday will be your last day. And I went home and told my wife, I said, man, we got two days left. That's it. Two days. I trained this young guy Thursday and Friday. The weekend, I'm unemployed. We're living check to check. I don't know what's going to happen. We just felt strong in the spirit. This is what God wanted to do. We were already beginning to attend that, that smaller church and we'd made a few friends there. And so we went to church on Sunday. Nobody knew I had lost my job. The pastor walks by us uh, after the service and said, hey, what are you guys doing for lunch? And we said, well, we don't have any plans. You got plans? He said, hey, uh, why don't you come eat with us? And I said, well, let me pray about it. Okay, God's in it. Let's do it. And so, and so we went to eat and we sat down, just my wife and I and this dear pastor and his wife. And, and he said, hey, I wanted to talk with you about something. And I said, all right. And he said, uh, you know, we've got some students here, some young people, and I wondered if you might consider working with them. They had a Christian school. Some of them told me, you have a basketball background. I said, I wonder if you might consider coaching the basketball team and working with our youth. And then he said, now, now before you say anything, I, I know you have a job at, at, at Bellevue, and I, and I realize that. And he said, but I, I'm just, we're prepared. I don't know what they're paying, but I want to tell you, we will match what they're paying. And he said, what are they paying? I said, well, I make about 225000 a year. And so, <laughs> <laughs> that was on a Sunday. And I told him the truth. I said, I'll be honest with you, Pastor. I said, Friday was my last day. He said, are you, are you kidding me? He said, I leaned over to my wife on Friday and I told his wife's name's Teddy. I said, Teddy, he said, I'm going I'm to approach Kevin and Kim about coming on Sunday and helping us with our student ministry. I, I'm not saying it always happens like that, but I'm just telling you, we went home that Sunday afternoon in that little apartment at Sawmill Drive in Memphis, Tennessee, in the Fraser area. I could take you to the spot. And I could tell you, Kim and I, we had us a Bapticostal fit that afternoon. And God said to me early on in my ministry, Kevin, I want to tell you something. I'm faithful. You can trust me. It may not always happen dramatically like this, but I'm telling you, I will take care of you. I will provide for you. You put me first. You preach my word. You stay faithful to me. You hang on to my promises. And I'm telling you, I am faithful. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will make a way where there seems to be no way. If God is for you, who can be against you? I can do all things through Christ. Christ, which strengthens me. The Bible says He'll take your curse. He'll make it your blessing. What the enemy meant for your harm, God will take it and make it for your good. I'm telling you, God Almighty is faithful. He's faithful. Now let's close out by reading the story. Go to Genesis 21 and watch what happens and I'm done. Watch this. Genesis 21, watch this. And the Word says... 
And the Lord visited Sarah, watch out now, as he had said. As he had said. Could I just remind you one more time before I get out of the way? God will always keep his word. Family may bail on you, friends may forsake you, but God will keep his word. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. It's been 25 years at this time. Abraham's 100, Sarah is 90. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. At the set time, at the set time of which God had spoken. What if Abraham had given up at 76? What if at 77 he said, God, you must have forgotten your promise. He's now 80. Where are you, God? He's 85. What is happening? I thought you gave me a promise. He's 90 years old. You said you were going to bless the families of the nation. He's 95 years old. Where are you, God? I can barely hear you. Where are you? And here he is now at 100 years old. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. But God gave him the promise 25 years earlier at 75. What are you hanging on to? What promise... Has God given you that you're about to just give up on? I've just been sent here this morning just to remind you. Mamas and daddies and husbands and wives and single adults, young people, God is faithful. Don't quit. Don't give up. God will answer. May not be when you want, may not even be how you want, but you can trust your God. Can I get an amen in the house? Lord, I want to thank you for the power of your word. Brother Ron's powerful challenge, man, to be a follower of you, even when we don't have all the answers, even when we don't see, Lord, what you're doing behind the scenes. And God, this story of Abraham and Sarah reminds us when the enemy slithers in as only he can and says, hey, you see God's forgotten you. God doesn't even know you exist. God, would you encourage somebody here this morning that's just about to throw in the towel? I've been there. I know what that's like. They're in a hard place. They're in a difficult season. You showed up to Abraham and said, Remember, Abraham, I am God Almighty, the omnipotent one. And I will never leave you or forsake you. And so, Lord, we... Leave this place tonight knowing family may desert us and friends may bail on us, but our God will never leave us or forsake us. And if you believe that promise this morning, would you say a big amen? Amen. amen. God bless you. Thank you.